Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Happy Monday. I hope you are doing well, that you had a good weekend. Before we dive in to today's episode with Camelin, massive thank you to Brittany who joined us last week. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, a really important conversation, I think, to be having. And I think this one also um, as well, really, really important. So I hope you enjoy it and I'll be back at the end uh, for a little chat. Hi everyone, and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest, Camelin, to the podcast. So, Camelin, welcome, and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, that's fine. No problems at all. Thank you so much for having me here, Hannah. So my name is Camelin Corr. I'm a psychotherapist and I'm a mindset coach. And I specialize in helping women overcome stress and anxiety, whether that's stress and anxiety in life or whether that's stress and anxiety in relationships so that they can continue their life without holding themselves back from success or happiness in their lives. Awesome. And really great work to be doing. And have you had like an increase in women kind of coming to you with you know, COVID and lockdown and everything, feeling loads more stress and anxiety. Yeah, definitely, particularly in relationships, because obviously more people have been working from home and they've been at home with their partners as well. So I think all the tensions, all the frictions, all the issues, all the fractures in the relationships, which are easier to mask over if you're out of the house eight or nine hours at a time, they all start to bubble to the surface. So there definitely have been an increase in referrals. And it always, and it's interesting, Hannah, because it always starts off with, I'm feeling really stressed or I'm feeling really anxious. And it's only when you start unpacking it in the therapy sessions, it comes down to the relationship side of things. And sometimes people don't understand where it's coming from. So they'll pinpoint it to things like say work, or family life, or it's the kids, or it's because I'm rushing around, or I'm here and there, and I'm pulled from different directions, because it's hard to admit as well that my relationship's not working, because as soon as you say that, the next step is you're going to have to do something about it to either get yourself out of it, or there's going to have to be some kind of a conversation that takes place with your partner, which is obviously not an easy thing to do. So it's easier to pinpoint that stress and anxiety on other things. So it's interesting because I would say about 85 85% of my clients that have come to me with stress and anxiety related to relationships have always started off saying it's just work just really stressed out at work and it's just been all this working from home and COVID and it's only by the time you get to session three or four they start to feel comfortable and then they start to open up and saying well actually you know what I think the stress and anxiety was always there from my partner but now everything's come to a head because there's nowhere to go there's no escape no gyms open there's nowhere I can go to meet my friends and go and socialize and pretend that that's not happening yeah and I imagine um, I was gonna say is it because it's easier and you just like feel yeah you <laughs> answered my question without me even asking which telepathically is awesome. I knew yes. you were gonna ask that <laughs> So I imagine with lockdown and that close proximity for people who are in um, unsafe relationships, for whatever reason, if there's domestic violence, if there's like coercive control, that kind of thing, that's even more pronounced because they don't have those other places that they can go. 
um, to have some space. Yeah, definitely. It's really sad, actually, you know, because the thing is, people do feel already, I think people in domestic abuse situations, such a difficult situation to get yourselves out of, even if the world was functioning like normal. But then when you get to a point where everything is closed and your access to services is limited or the services themselves are limited because they've got so much of a burden or an influx in the referrals that they're getting, everything becomes a lot more difficult. And then you're having to manage situations if you've got a young family where you have to manage the situation or deal with that domestic abuse situation whilst the children are still around. So you don't even have that luxury of, well, they're in school or they're out or they're with their friends or they're interacting with other kids and we can resolve this issue here. So I do think it's the external factors which have been brought about as a result of COVID and the pandemic, they have definitely not helped. And I guess in, in that situation, if there's a young family as well, there's another layer of stress that the children are there all the time. The, the stress of that and homeschooling, but the, also the stress of children having more exposure to that relationship and not having yeah. that time at, at school. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you know what? What's really important for me to say is that it, regardless of how dark times get and regardless of how stuck you feel and regardless of how impossible that situation feels, there is always a way out. You will not be able to see your long term plan when you're in a stressful situation because our mind does not work like that. When you're in a stressful situation, you start operating on adrenaline and you start operating on the fight and flight mode, which is why it's really important to get space in the first place away from that person. So your long term plan of like where you're going to stay, where are the kids going to be? What are they going to do? How am I going to sustain myself in the long run? You will not have a vision of that. And that is okay. All you need to know is at this point in time, imminently, even for the next like four to six weeks, where can I go that is safe? Even if you can just find an answer to that, whether that's going to women's aid or women's shelter programs or children's shelters or domestic abuse services, or whether that's reaching out to a family or a friend or somebody that you know can take you in, or if you have the, the financial freedom, hire out an apartment for a couple of months, you know, or a month or so, like until you get yourself back up on your feet. As soon as you have distance from that abusive situation, your mind, your fight and flight responses begin to calm down. You start to get clarity around the situation that clarity then gives you a chance to make informed decisions about what you want to do. And then as soon as you start making informed decisions, you start to notice your confidence starts to build as well. As soon as you get that clarity and confidence, you get that control back in that situation. It might not be 100%. You might not feel always strong inside. That's okay. It's all right to feel scared, but still carry on taking the steps that you need to take. And I think that's a really important message because there's so many services out there. Even when I've been working throughout the pandemic, we know it's difficult. I'm not denying that. But I think when we constantly talk about how difficult it is, it almost reinforces people to, to kind of what they're already thinking. It just reinforces that thought process even more, doesn't it? And then people go, you yeah, know, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. Yes, it's difficult. But that your first step is to physically just get out of that environment and get yourself emotionally, mentally, psychologically and physically free and safe. And then everything else you can work out later on. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I agree, really important message. And I wonder, as you, you were saying that, that kind of wanting to, to have like all the answers and to know how things are going to play out, if that comes up in other you know situations where we feel stress and anxiety, that, well, I can't do anything because I don't know like how to solve this whole thing. So I, I'm just, yeah. I'm stuck. I can't do anything. 
Yeah, it happens all the time, doesn't it? Because this is what I mean, because we're going to fight in flight mode. So as soon as you go into fight in flight mode, the brain just goes into survival. So it goes into that panic mode where it's like, even when things are in front of you, you will not see it. So my suggestion for that would be if you're feeling stressed or you're feeling anxious, the reason why that anxiety is going to spiral is because you're constantly focusing on the things that you can't control. I can't control the future. You can't control what's going to happen. You can't control what the outcome of that decision is going to be. But that's the things that we actually spend more time focusing on, which naturally then generates a lot of anxiety in us anyhow. So what to do is rein it in, ground yourself, anchor yourself and bring your head and your mind and your mindset to the situation that's making you feel stressed or anxious and then focus on all the things that you can control in that situation even if it's and you know what initially your brain's going to go nothing 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 there's nothing I can control everything is just spiraling out of control and that's going to happen but there will always be a few things that are definitely in your control in that moment and see if you just focus on them and at every stage of your trans transgression of or movement or escalation or growth if you keep just focusing on all the things that you can control you'll notice that you start to feel a lot more better about that situation and definitely less anxious as well yeah i've been on like a real <clears throat> philosophy thing recently and it's very like stoic i don't know if you've come across stoicism yeah and it's so interesting i think sometimes these ideas that are you know like centuries old and then they've sort of like come back or they you know and it sounds you know when you when you say it like oh, that's so so like hard to do maybe but simple just focus on the things I can control but interesting that it just sometimes doesn't come naturally to us or that not everybody knows that or tries to do that yeah do you know what I think there's a lot of things that we the reason why these things ideas and philosophies keep coming back is because it's just recycled information even now I'm not telling anybody anything new this is stuff that we already know because it's been embedded in a lot of theories out there it's embedded in a lot of practices out there what happens is we are surrounded by a lot of noise now. That's the problem, right? Social media, we're exposed to so much more now in the world. Whereas like even just going back like 15, 20 years, if you think about it, you only knew what were people were doing in your vicinity and that was it. You don't have a clue what somebody was doing even like two, three miles down the road. Now you know exactly what's happening in the other side of the world, literally by opening up a device in your hand. You're exposed to so much more. You're exposed to too much information. You're exposed to what's happening in different people's environments and their homes and their cities but also there's so much information out there now what happens is there's information overload so you start making everything complicated more complicated than it actually needs to be so the simple things that we have which is our instincts our instincts are there to survive which is right well I don't know what's going to happen in the long run let me just focus on now or let me just get out of this situation then I'll deal with everything afterwards or why don't I just stop because I'm tired or why don't I just take a break because I'm exhausted all these things that we're tuned in to do we're disconnecting from our bodies we're disconnecting from what we're actually feeling because we're too busy looking for overcomplicated answers and everything has to be really big and really massive and really extravagant. And I think this is why when somebody comes to a point and somebody and so, like where they need advice and somebody else turns out and says, well, have you thought about just doing this? And the other person's almost like, is that it? Is that all I need to do? <laughs> and it usually is the simplest things. They might not be easy. They might be simple things and they might not be easy, but it's usually the simplest things that will get you the best results. Yeah, absolutely. I get that sometimes when I'm um, teaching, students sometimes will go like, 
oh I thought that was too simple but but <laughs> sometimes the answer is simple and if you just discount it because you're like that's too simple if it's so simple like try it and see and then you know yeah take it from there exactly yeah I'd love to talk about your book um how to take control of a controlling relationship yeah. and I know we sort of talked a bit around um around that and that experience and how how we take control in controlling relationships yeah so there's a really there's a really interesting question but also so this book let me tell you a little bit of this background of this book right so this book I wrote in 2019 so what happened was like I said predominantly I deal with women that are experiencing stress and anxiety whether that's just in life or in relationships so I have always worked in corporate which means that a lot of the women that I work with were coming with stress and anxiety from their working environments or they were experiencing burnout or they were just overworked in their jobs but then back in 2017 I had a massive influx of women that were coming through that were experiencing stress and anxiety and relationships so it wasn't the conversation wasn't even starting off with by the way I'm stressed at work and then transgressing into relationship it was just women just arriving straight up saying this is my job really busy high level performance jobs don't have time but I just want quick strategies of how to figure out whether this is even a healthy relationship and how to get out but this was a pattern I was seeing in a lot of women when they were coming in they were just like I don't know I don't know if it's just in my head I don't know if I'm imagining it because obviously in toxic relationship there's a lot of gaslighting that takes place there's a lot of denial that takes place there's a lot of minimizing your feelings that takes place so you come to a point where you yourself start questioning your own thought process and you think I don't know am I was that right like was I being insensitive or was I maybe just overreacting to the situation so a lot of women were arriving with the same story but then also the other thing was I was noticing that the behaviors that their partners were carrying out there was a pattern to it there was always similar patterns to what they were doing so I just thought if this is happening to these like 200 women that I've worked with in this space of time it must be happening to so many other women out there as well so I've basically put all that information together in a book and I've separated it into little chunks of um, like five sections and those five sections spell out the word faith so under section f all the red flags that begin with f are there under section a all the red flags that you need to look out for are under section a and then so on and so forth so what i've done is i've listed all so it's not my job to tell you you are in a controlling relationship because everybody's experience of a relationship is different so say for example your partner calls you 20 times a day I mean I know that's a bit over the top but imagine they call you 20 times a day so one person might absolutely love that because they might turn around and say god I love that I love the fact that my partner checks in all the time he calls me all the time it makes me feel so secure it makes me feel so loved but then for somebody else that experience might be suffocating it might feel as though they actually can't breathe they might feel agitated harassed or just nervous or like a bundle of nerves all the time so do you see where so if I just turn around and said, if your partner calls you 20 times a day, that's really controlling. That's an unfair statement to make because it's not about the behavior. It's about how that behavior makes you feel. That's important. So for me, I don't want to create a book in which I just said, these are the red flags. I wanted to highlight some of the red flags and then ask you a series of questions straight after that, that help you to identify, is the issue something else or is the issue actually the relationship? So that's the layout of the book and that's how the book came about. So asking yourself those series of questions will help you to identify 
whether your relationship is caring or controlling. Now, the more you go through the book, the more confident you'll start to become in the status of your relationship and the actual quality of that relationship as well. So that confidence in itself, Hannah, will give the individual that courage that they need to be able to say, right, I am not putting up with this anymore now because this is not acceptable. So I definitely know now this is not in my head and this is not the way it should be done or this is not how I should be spoken to. So that is actually the first step of the book. And then in the actual one of the chapters, I actually talk about how you don't need to know all the answers and just the first steps that you need to focus on. But also what the book does is it gives you, it makes you think about your situation. So as a therapist, that's the first thing that you do with any client. You plant a seed and then you start seeing results, right? So even just asking a question like, how do you feel about that relationship? Do you think that's acceptable? How would you feel if that was your daughter being spoken to like that or your sister being spoken to like that or your mother being? So I think as soon as you start challenging that thought process that an individual has, which this book does, then it starts forcing you to start noticing things that you otherwise could have maybe denied or avoided or distracted yourself from dealing with. Yeah, thank you. It sounds like a, an amazing resource for people to have to be able to um, to really almost more objectively look at their relationship and you know to to think about it like you said on that sort of deeper level and like oh is that okay and how do I really feel about it and yeah. as you said earlier we are so disconnected from our feelings you know sometimes we be like I don't know but having those prompts to go hmm okay um, I wonder if some of those questions that follow if you could kind of walk us through a little bit of an example of like a flag and the questions that we could ask ourselves to you know to to see if it is an okay thing to be happening okay so what I'll do I won't give the specific questions because that it might not be an example that somebody else can relate to so I'll make it general right so say for example you have you're in this relationship and there is a thought that's going through your head about this relationship right so imagine your partner turns around and says that wasn't my fault that was your fault you're the one that behaved like that which is why I ended up having to verbally abuse you physically abuse you like whatever the opposite well, person's not going to say that right but they'll turn around and say that's not my fault that's your fault if you hadn't said this or it's because you're like this it's because your family are like this your family are not good for you or you're always out and about like or you're never home or you need to start taking more response whatever this statement is because it always starts off with the statement because they mentally need to get into your head in order for any other abuse to take place if somebody cannot mentally get into your head it will never get to that domestic abuse situation because the first step is to break you down mentally. And that is basically boundary testing. That is to see how much verbally are you willing to take, right? If you stay there after that verbal abuse and after that emotional abuse, then already the person knows what kind of radar they're working on. So then they'll say, right, well, she's come back after that. So I can push it again next time and push it more and push it more and push it more, which is how it starts to escalate. So the first thing I would say is when you're in that state of mind, you're going to start reacting emotionally because, again, you're going to start operating from a place of fear, from insecurity and from self-doubt. So when that happens, you don't rely on what the other person is saying and you don't rely on what anybody else around you is saying. So whatever that thought is that's going through your head, that's making you question yourself or doubt yourself, put that in your head. And then there's two questions you need to ask yourself. How do I know this thought is true? That's the first thing. And then the second question is, how do I know this thought is not true? This exercise, do it on a piece of paper, 
our brain is visual. As soon as it sees things written down, it absorbs it a lot better, it will remember it, but it starts to feel real as well. It's there in black and white. So whatever the thought is that the person's managed to put into your head or whatever thought it is that's going into your own mind that is making you question and doubt yourself, you need to now start rationalizing it and you rationalize it by asking those two questions. How do I know this is true? And how do I know this is not true? In both of the cases, the answers that you're looking for needs to be based in facts and evidence. So you can't start off saying things like, I think that that might be true, or I feel that there might be some truth in this. I believe that there is, this could be happening because that is an emotional response. It's not based in any rationale or any kind of logic at all. Now, the more you do this, the more confident you'll start to become in what is going on in that situation, but also the more you'll start to question where that information or where those sentences or statements that your partner is making are actually coming from. Because if there's no evidence to prove it, why are they saying that, right? But also, if you've, so gaslighting is one of the things that happens all the, all the time in toxic relationships. It's where the other person blatantly just lies or misconstrues your reality of what's happened. So if you've done something, the other person will turn around and say, that wasn't, no, like, I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened, right? So do you see how it's really easy if you get into that emotional conversation for that to be a situation in which you start questioning yourself? But if you know factually, actually, no, that did happen because my friend was there and she witnessed it, that that's happened more than once. There's other people that I've seen it but I know for a fact that that situation took place because this is not the first time it's happened and it's happened again and again. Do you see, now you're making a factual catalogue of events in your head. So even if the person's denying it, you don't need to get sucked into that downward spiral because you have facts and the information and the knowledge to be able to turn around and say, well, regardless of what you may think, this did happen because it's happened more than once but it's also happened in front of other people who can then also verify that this situation took place. These are all hypothetical examples. That's why I can't be more specific, but I'm keeping it general because I don't want to give a particular example. And then somebody else is like, well, that doesn't apply to me because it's not what's happening in my situation. Yeah, no, no, that's great. And, and I think those two questions I imagine can be applied to lots and lots of different situations, you know, to help you look at the, the factual evidence of the situation um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, before I move on to my set questions, Cameron, I wonder if you've got a final thought on anything we've talked about or kind of life in general that you'd like to share with us. So in terms of just, so in terms of relationships, what I will say is that one of the things that your partner will say to you to keep you there is that nobody's going to want you, that you are worth nothing, that you are not amounting to anything and that if you leave them, that nobody else will take you or date you or even give you a second look what you need to ask yourself is that if you are so awful of a person and if you're so unworthy of a person then what are they doing with you in the first place right there's an invested interest that they have in keeping you there right guaranteed that your partner will not be as successful as you they won't be as confident as you they won't be as secure as you and you might think that they are but they're not because there's nobody that's confident and secure that has to abuse somebody else or bully somebody else right if you're bullying or abusing somebody else you are definitely insecure so this perception that you may have of them being more powerful than you it's a complete facade that's the first thing you have to remember and the second thing is that you are good enough and you are worthy which is why they have got their claws dug into you so this thing that they are telling you 
is just to keep you there. So do not believe it and do not fall for it at all. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, really powerful reminder. Um, so yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on my set questions that I ask everybody that comes mm-hmm. on. And the first one is what brings you joy in your life? Oh, I love this question. So what brings you joy? So my family, my friends, good food, really good music, and also my work as well, believe it or not. I actually, like, so all my clients say this to me, it doesn't feel like we're in a therapy session with you because it just feels like such a natural conversation that we're having. So I would say definitely my work as well. And obviously exercise that I do like to exercise because that's one of the easiest ways to relieve stress after a busy and hectic day. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And the next question is sometimes similar, sometimes not. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Uh, What makes life meaningful for you? Having a purpose in life. And my purpose is to help as many people as possible to overcome stress and anxiety so that they can lead lives in which they feel happier, healthier and stress free. I think does it? it, it's nice to have like a purpose that is so like succinct, like (laughs) this is it. (laughs) This is it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, so my next two questions are around our overarching topic on the podcast, which is mental well-being. Mm-hmm. So the first question is, what does mental well-being or mental wellness mean to you? Okay, so for me personally, it means being able to function on a day-to-day basis without experiencing stress, anxiety or burnout. So it doesn't matter how busy you are and it doesn't matter how much is going on in your life. It should always be enjoyable and it always should be at a point where you're able to manage your health and well-being. If you start feeling stressed or anxious or burnt out, then that obviously is you've pushed it or you're taking on too much. So for me personally, mental well-being and mental health is represented by being able to carry on in your day-to-day functioning without experiencing stress, anxiety or burnout. Awesome. Thank you. And then my follow up is always for yourself, how you look after your own mental well-being. Right. Okay. so I switch off a lot. Right. So I work really long hours, but at the same time, I know when I've gone too far or I know where I've worked too much so I do have quite a lot of periods of time where I'm maybe just disengaged and not talking to people because I just need to recharge my batteries so see even an hour in a day I will just put music on or I'll listen to a podcast and I will just have no interaction so if my phone's beeping it's ringing people are trying to get through to me it's just going to have to wait until I recharge my batteries so that's the first thing and the second thing is I do stay away from a lot of drama as well. So I'm not really into like really dramatic people, like people that have always got like this going on in their lives and that going on in their lives and it's high energy and it's so much emotion and everything's always falling apart because I just think that gets a bit too much for me. So for me, it would definitely be switching off, using time to re-energize and being very careful of the company that I have in my life. It sounds like you're very self-aware of kind of what you need to look after yourself and then kind of giving yourself that. Yeah, definitely. But you know what, Hannah, we all are though, but we ignore it. So like, it's like, we all have that where we meet people and we just think, oh my God, that was so nice just to meet them. And they've got such a nice energy or there's people that you're with, they'll energize you. Then there's people that you're with that will actually just make you feel quite calm and relaxed, right? And then there's other people that you walk away and you feel so emotionally exhausted after spending time with them, right? We all know that. And we all know that we have people like that in our lives. But I think sometimes out of guilt and obligation, you put yourselves through that again and again. And that's fine if that's like what you want to do. But if you're finding it's impacting on your health, why would you put yourself through that? So I think it's just about we all need to be aware of it. So we sometimes we are aware of it, but we don't vocalize it. And I think it's just about being honest to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. 
So my next question is sometimes a challenge, but maybe not because you're a mindset coach. So um, how would you describe your own mindset? Right. Very logical, very pragmatic and very practical. I would say those are probably the three words that would describe it. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. A lot of people are like, oh, I've never even thought about that before. So, okay. <laughs> um, so my next question is one of my favorite ones to ask. Um, and so obviously we've got a kind of non-prescriptive view on the podcast because everyone's different. Everyone's experiences are different. Um, but I always ask people that come on to share one to three top tips of things that could be really impactful in our in our lives. Okay. So if you've got one to three top tips. Okay, so... First thing is be realistic about your expectations. So whatever you're wanting to achieve in life or whatever you're striving for, whether it's just your day-to-day basis, be realistic about what you're expecting from yourself. When you're packing everything in and you're putting everything into the day and you know you don't have enough hours in the day, you're stressing yourself out unnecessarily. But also what you're doing then is you've got that constant fear of failure as well because you know that everything you're gonna, you want to do, you're not going to get done. So first of all, be realistic about your expectations. The second Second thing is take time out and be comfortable in your own company. It's really, really important. The fear of being alone, it actually results in people engaging in activities and getting involved in relationships that are maybe not even healthy for them. Get comfortable with being comfortable in your own company and things will change for you. And some of the, the, the biggest like light bulb moments that you'll have will be when you're just by yourself and by that I don't mean there needs to be pin drop silence or meditation going on just enjoy your own company go for a walk by yourself like listen to a podcast at home have a day where you're not meeting anybody and you're not engaging with anybody and you're not on your phone talking to somebody or texting somebody just switch off and just allow your body just to recharge that's the second thing the third thing I would say is be very careful of your company Like we are a direct reflection of the five people that we spend the most time with, right? We need to start being careful about who we let into our lives. Like we all have an energy field, which is like this three feet radius around us. Now that is our energy field. And as soon as that gets interrupted by the wrong energy or it gets contaminated by the wrong energy, you will start to feel anxious. You'll start to feel stressed. You'll start to feel irritated, frustrated, on edge, depleted of energy. Be very picky about who you let into your energy field. If there's people that are not good for you, you don't need to sever contact, keep them at a distance, or maybe just avoid meeting them during times where you yourself are not at your best form. Yeah, thank you so much for those three brilliant tips. Um, my next question is a recommendation question. So I love to read, but can't, can't see all my books. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also TED Talks. I sort of added that in because not everyone's a reader. Um, but if you have um, a book or a TED Talk or something that's been really impactful in your life that you'd like to share with us. Right. So for me, my entire journey as a therapist started off with the book Secret. You probably must have heard of it, right? So I would definitely, definitely, if you haven't read that, read that because that was my first book, which actually led me on to this therapeutic and holistic path, which... And it's the first time I actually heard of this concept of your thoughts are actually a frequency and the frequency on which you operate then determines what quality of life you're going to have. And the funny thing is I already done a bit of that beforehand, but I just didn't know that was what it was. I didn't realize it was a law of attraction thing. So I would usually like set a goal and then I would just work towards it and take actions to make it happen. But I just didn't realize that that was what it was, right? But it's when I read the book, I thought, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. Right. And I have been able to achieve and work to stages and get to certain stages of my life that I wanted to by using that formula that is in that book. But even if you don't want to use the formula, 
it's just that basic understanding of how we are all balls of energy vibrating on a certain frequency and if you want to make yourself feel better you need to bring up that frequency and that vibration so even that basic understanding of that it starts making you look at the world very differently so if you haven't already read that i would definitely recommend it it's such an easy read so simple but then one of two things is going to happen either you're going to like it or you're going to hate it but one way like either way you'll know whether that kind of path in life is for you or not brilliant thank you for that and then that brings me to my final question which really sad because i'm really enjoying uh, speaking with you and that is where people can connect with you i know we mentioned your book if you can remind us of all of the details that yeah of course so my book is called how to take control of controlling relationships and you will find that advertised in the two places that you will find me which is on instagram which is camelin core therapist and i also have a facebook group for women who are wanting to overcome stress and anxiety by changing their mindset and that facebook group is called empower her mind so you can come and connect with me there as well Lovely. And we'll absolutely link in the show notes so people can find you nice and easily from there as well. And when we share the episode, uh, we'll tag you on social media. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Cameron. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And thank you for everything you've shared. I think some really uh, powerful you know, questions and things that we can ask ourselves and things that we can reflect on and some great tips as well. So thank you so much. No, thank you so much for having me here. It's been lovely. You're welcome. So thank you to Camelin for joining us and for everything that she shared with us. Um, and today I just, I wanted to talk a little bit about a person and about an event and, um, and also some kind of life lessons and, and tips from that. So um, my uncle, my, my dad's youngest brother, my dad is one of five, uh, passed away in November quite suddenly and he... It's interesting, I, I feel like I know a lot more about him now um, than I did when he was alive from things from his friends and his community and, and the people around him. And he, um, he was a punk and um, part of the punk scene in uh, kind of gospel fair in Portsmouth around there, very well known as this... Uh, funny gentle giant who was a complete anarchist and completely marched to his own drum um but so well loved by the people that knew him and he didn't want a funeral or anything big like that and Saturday so yesterday there was a yet fest so his nickname was yeti he was uh man, six foot five probably which is pretty common height in um, my family and uh you know, this larger than life character. And so his nickname was Yeti and Yetfest was organized by some of his friends, one of his friends, Min in particular. And five punk bands from the sort of the local area. Uh, some some people, I think someone um, was DJing in between who had been retired and kind of came out of retirement to do it. Um, so these bands performed for him at this, this sort of memorial kind of mini festival evening type thing. And there were there was a lot of uh, family there, but more than that, there were so many people who some knew him just a little and um, had met him and they were there for the music. But a lot of people who um, loved him and whose lives he touched, who were there to sort of celebrate and honour him, and it was a really fun <laughs> evening, but also really 
beautiful and, and, and special in that way. And um, <clears throat> an interesting experience for some of my, <laughs> to see some of my family at a punk night, which is not <laughs> the, the usual uh, sort of place to hang out. But I think the thing that I kind of wanted to share and, you know, to think about is that some of us, and I, I know I do this, some of us, we we sometimes worry about truly being ourselves and expressing ourselves to the world and shining our light and all of that kind of stuff and and it, and that how people will respond to that and the, the people we have around us and I think what I've really seen from my uncle and from his friends in the community is that you can be completely yourself and that might be however that might be an absolute anarchist punk and that you'll find your people and they will love you for who you are and how you are and uh, when we were talking to people they were saying oh yeah he was messy and yeah sometimes he didn't like to lose and you know know, so it's not he's perfect but it's we love this person as they are and um and I think there's a really beautiful message in there about not being afraid to be who you are about seizing life with both hands because you don't know how long you have you know he is my my dad's youngest brother he was 56 um and it was very sudden you, you know you don't ha- know how long we have so living life to the full being truly yourself and that you'll find your people and, and people maybe not everyone but <laughs> your people will love you and accept you and appreciate you for that and celebrate you hopefully when you're alive <laughs> as well and um yeah, so I, I, it's something I've been thinking about, and um, and and I think it's interesting that as family, we maybe didn't see him so much in that way, or see that side of him, and so it was nice to see that. And I think it also is true for all of us that there'll be people in our life who don't maybe see the true side of us for whatever reason. Maybe they don't feel we don't feel that they'll accept us or they won't understand us, or, or they're different to us. But that doesn't mean that you can't still be truly you and find your people. So I wanted to share that uh, as it's something on my mind. Um, and I guess also, you know, to celebrate the people in your life, the people who you love, uh, friends, family, whoever. Um, the people that you love as they are, how they are, because we don't know how much how much time we have and to really celebrate each other when we can so yeah that's my <laughs> my thoughts I wanted to share uh, I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode and um, I would love to connect with you online you can connect with us at psyche coaching p-s-y-k-h-e coaching and we are across social media although to be honest I've been a bit uh, hermit from social media the last uh, couple of weeks I've just not not really felt it Uh, so hopefully I'll be sort of a bit more around and back but I'd still love to hear from you you can message us um yeah and until next week we're joined by Skip um and we're talking about men's mental health and depression which is another really important topic so I really hope you will join us again for that until then as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself and I'll speak to you soon bye for now